citizens of the multiverse, it is time for Minions and Music! Hey, it's Evil Jeff. Thanks for dropping by. Well, got a couple of voicemails since the last time that I put out a podcast. So let's go ahead and jump right into them. Hey, Josh Beckleheimer here. And I gotta say, I love play-by-post games. I get a lot of gaming that way, though I haven't had one in a long time. I've been wanting to get back into play-by-post and thinking about running one. Though, if I do run one, it would be something like maybe a game by Rayotis. Just something that the mechanics are really clear that everyone that's playing knows what is a success and what is a failure. Because I know a lot of those games you get hung up, especially if there's, you know, difficulty checks that need to be made. You know, you roll the dice and you're just waiting for the GM to respond like, hey, success or failure. So I'm wanting to run a game where it's pretty straightforward and that would help move the game along much faster. Love the show, man. And Very cool. You're going to go go see your minion graduate. That is wonderful. I love it. And I, I texted you or I messaged you on MeWe. The game play-by-post, hey, if that's what you can do, I think it's fantastic. And I agree Call. If you're not going to be able to play, call, text, whatever, just to let people know that is pretty good. And as for the unboxing, what can I say? I didn't understand. It was the same exact thing in one thing and the other. I was very confused. All right. Have a good weekend. Whisk out. Josh Beckelheimer there. And if you're looking at Anchor, it tells you it's Tim, but it definitely did not sound like Tim. Yes, that's what happens when you do not log out of your Anchor account. Ivy decides to record in it. I thank both you guys for the message. And I uh, appreciate, Josh, you uh, call in for the first time. Uh, your podcast, uh, relatively new to me, and it's on my list of things to start up listening to here. So, yeah, glad that you uh, enjoy Play by Post. Um, interesting that you want to bring up Ray Otis there for a game, something easy to define. Um, I would definitely say... That if you're going to run a play-by-post, I am starting to see more and more where if the DM is the one that is doing the roles, not the players, DM's doing the roles, taking care of that, then we're not waiting on somebody who's just sitting around who forgot for a bit. You know, the GM can, DM, DM, whatever, can continually push that forward and i think that's where things get hung up so many times uh, a lot a number of the games i'm in right now it's just you're you're waiting for somebody granted one of the ones i'm waiting on uh, actually two of them we're waiting actually on the gm to get something but there's been some bits here and there so we'll get into that but yeah i mean i understand if you're waiting on a player definitely can bog things down but when the gm is the one running rolling it yeah, it actually seems to move a little bit smoother. If everybody's cool with it, great. You say the actions, GM interprets it, rolls the dice. And why don't we just go ahead and say it? Like, uh, 
Other Jason put in his podcast, Player Facing Roles. We don't have to hide behind the GM screen. I will roll on a website where you can get a link and you will see exactly what I rolled and confirm it as you wish. Cool. Yeah, Ivy, thank you for talking about everything there. Um, and kind of an update. We're not traveling because uh, Minion Bravo, unfortunately, is not going to graduate this go-round had an injury, which is preventing him from completing all the requirements. Uh, we're still trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen in that aspect. Uh, right now, he's a holdover, so we'll see what goes on there. Still a thing or two here. He's not broken. He's just injured where he cannot fulfill requirements, so uh, I won't go into more of that, A, because... It's medical thing, B, because he's in the military. I've said as much as I really should say about that. But yeah, it is a disappointment. We're not traveling to go see him graduate. Um, bit of a bummer. He's with his battalion still, uh, hanging out with them. Um, in fact, one of the coolest things was uh, even because of this injury, he was still able to assist one of his platoon mates in... Uh, qualifying uh i think it was a pt test uh guys just had to get his time down and minion bravo was like yeah it's it's all about pacing so he went in and said hey th let's do this let's do this and worked with him for like the last week or so and helped this soldier pass a pt test and you know this guy gets to graduate so in some ways that's like you know you did what you had to do. Even though you're not doing it right now, you did the right thing. So, yeah, but we get to see him for Christmas. He does get the block leave and everything, so we've got that all arranged. So he'll be back, and maybe I'll get him to chat a little bit during an episode or something. He hasn't seen the OS Essentials book, OSC book, and I'd like to him to look at it and uh, kind of talk about some of the artwork and everything in there since he is definitely uh, very artistically minded. So thank you guys for the voice messages. Now on to the topic at hand. I got a voice message the other day that went like this. Hey, well, Jeff, Jason here at Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I have a question for you. What do you think the draw is to pre-industrial fantasy, medieval fantasy for role-playing games, over other eras? I realize we have sci-fi games and western games and whatnot. You know, typically the, the horror genre seems to, if you look at modern games, the horror genre is the big one, right? Call of Cthulhu, whatever. But even that tends to be set in Victorian or maybe the 20s. So what do you think the draw is of these earlier eras? Well, that's not that's not a fair question. I kind of see that. But what do you think the draw is of the the fantasy medieval era, the pre-industrial fantasy era, compared to playing westerns or sci-fi games or whatnot? I'm curious to hear your answer. Thank you. And after a quick back and forth on Discord with Jason, 
uh, I got a better idea of what was going on there, and we decided that, hey, this uh, might actually be something more for the lines of me to put on a podcast. Actually, that was his real intent all along, getting me to think, how dare you, Jason? Curious to see how many other people fall into this trap. I mean, uh, again, uh, suggestion, yeah, that's sorry. Uh, suggestion, I don't know what I was thinking. Must be the evil GM in me. So I gave it some thought, and uh, I'll see if I can go find the recording that I actually sent to him and let him listen to. And I might add an addendum to it. All right, Jason. So, why is medieval fantasy the more popular one for role-playing games? An opinion there. More so than Wild West. More so than horror or things like that. Um, I'll give you two things that came to mind and after discussing it with my dad and my uncle today as we were driving, it they agreed with what I was thinking. First, let's look at education. Most of your education for kids will involve them looking at life in a uh, medieval time frame. More so than any other time period in history, there's more uh, evidence of how people live, more direct records, more so than Stone Age, Bronze Age, etc. Um, you know, once you got to industrial times, yes, then we, we have more of that. So, but when you look at medieval times, we've got that. Now, why does it still make it attractive? Well, now look at the second part of it, and that's going to be, what do we read to our kids? What's one of the mainstays? Fairy tales. Most fairy tales are based in medieval times. They're not based during the Greco-Roman time frame. They're not based during Egyptian time frame. You know, they are based in you know, most of what we're listening and looking at is in that medieval time frame of when these stories take place. Couple the fact of the legend of Arthur and how romanticized that it was by, and I want to say the French to a degree, but that may be a mistake on my part. But the notion of how Arthur and the Round Table, all those stories got romanticized, and it brings about a time where people were basically good, fighting for good. And I think all those combinations lends itself to a common thread, a common idea that most anybody has learned about or heard about. Not everybody goes and studies the Wild West. Not everybody studies about Elizabethan England or you know Victorian times. You know we don't we don't have that in there. Even though those are genres we understand. Now why are the horror stuff more in Victorian stuff? 
uh, 20s and things like that. I think horror lends itself more to a mid, uh, to a uh, industrialized society. Um, we've gotten away from our agrarian roots to some degree. And a lot of the horror also becomes when we pack people in closely, what happens. I think that's where some of that comes from. And again, this is personal opinion. Um, when you look at what kids will look at and they like and so forth, what's the other thing that people latch on? Superheroes. And now you are modern times with being above and beyond everybody else, doing things, and superheroes were always doing good. And I think that's there's a piece of it. So for RPGs, to me, what we've learned, what we've been read to, or re been read from, yeah, read from, <laughs> that is why Medieval Times is more likely to be used in a RPG setting than anything else. Again, this is just my opinion, but I think it's fairly well formed out. If you wanted something that was uh, much more eloquent, then, you know, Ray Otis was your guy there. So, yeah, there's my original response to Jason. Uh, a couple notes after I listened to it. The fact that I am an English speaker uh, is going to color this. Uh, also, the fact that when we first started off with role-playing games, when this whole thing started off, you're talking the American Midwest. So, yeah, definitely English-speaking at that point. Um, and I think that just lent itself to it. And I would dare say that most of my RPG market out there, or any RPG market, is mostly English speakers. Now, that's not discounting our friends in Great Britain, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, wherever else that English speakers may be. Uh, but, you know, let's just say the British Isles there for the most part. Yeah, they're going to be the ones doing Elizabethan and the, the Tudors and everything. But... Were they the first ones to come up with role-playing games? No, that's really an American invention that has rolled out there, and I think that just kind of adds to it. You know, if Gary Gaiax had been born in Japan or China, well, I doubt we'd actually have what we have now. <laughs> but, you know, what, what was his background on it? You know, and if he'd been reading more of those things, then yeah, I could, I could see where that gets lent into it. Um, and there was something else I said in there that has totally uh, slipped my mind at this point. But yeah, so there's the addendum to that post, or that message that I just had. That'll do it for this round of Minions and Musings. As always, if you've got a comment, please leave a voice message, link in the show notes, or just go ahead and load up the Anchor app and leave a reply. Uh, I'll put in a link or two in the show notes also to those podcasts from our 
lovely friends who called in with the voice messages. And uh, yeah, I'd like to hear some other people's thoughts and opinions. Uh, maybe you've got a different viewpoint. Maybe you've got something, a counterpoint. I'd be curious to see who all out there uh, thinks highly differently than I do. Cool. All right, well, have at it, and we'll see you on the next time in Minions and Musings. Witchcraft!